Welcome to Keeping It a Hundo. I'm your host, Matty Hundo. Today's guest is... Uh, we don't have a guest today. I'm going to be the guest. Uh, I've spoke to several friends of mine about doing a travel podcast, and we just haven't linked up to make that happen. Those of you who have discussed this with me know who you are. Since we're traveling in so many different directions, it's kind of tough to meet up sometimes. So I've taken this opportunity to talk about travel myself, and we can still do those travel podcasts in the future. There's no shortage of travel stories over here. It's something I love to talk about, and it's a big part of my life, so it only makes sense. And I know some people have been wanting to hear more of that in the podcast. So I want to give a little background about my travel history. Well, as a kid and up through college, I really didn't have much travel history. I went to school in Miami, graduated from University of Miami, and that was pretty much my travel back and forth, Boston to Miami and Miami to Boston. After college, uh, eventually I started traveling more And it was something that I really enjoyed. And it wasn't just vacation. That's the thing. Like I I feel like some people look at travel as vacation. Most of my travel isn't really vacation. It's more adventure or exploratory. Um, I travel places just to eat a meal or to visit somebody or to go to a game or you know, exploring culture. There's many reasons I travel. It also helps that I have a flight hookup, but we'll get into that another time. I feel like coming from New England, there's certain travel destinations that everybody does, and it's like the safe little travel quadrant. You got like the Boston to Aruba, the Boston to Florida, the Boston to Punta Cana, and New York kind of does the same stuff. And these are very normal middle-class travel experiences. And not that class has too much to do with this stuff, but I feel like that's just, it's kind of a a characteristic of what middle-class people do in the Northeast. These are the places they go. Uh, Maybe some Vegas, but you're looking at the same type of trips. Maybe if you want to get a little more exotic, you got the Bahamas or Bermuda or maybe the Virgin Islands, but people aren't really going to uh, Central America, South America, Hawaii. Uh, It's kind of like this little comfort zone on the east in the Atlantic Ocean that everybody goes to, which leads me to my latest adventure, which was in Hawaii. I had never been to Hawaii. Out of all the places I've been, I've been in several countries around the world, Asia and Europe, South America. I had never been to Hawaii. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I think its location makes it a little tough. Uh, Once I started traveling internationally, which was probably around age 30, late 20s, early 30s, when I really started getting out the country a lot and trying more unique places, Hawaii was one of those places that it's in the U.S., but it takes forever and a day to get there. So I just always overlooked it. And I feel like a lot of people on the East Coast don't ever get to Hawaii. I didn't know a lot of people that have Hawaii experiences. And if they did, it was everybody had the same experience. I went to Hawaii 
I stayed on Waikiki Beach. I went to a luau. That's about it. I drank a, you know, a frozen drink out of a coconut. And that was about it. So growing up, my perception of Hawaii was very basic. And a lot of that came from TV. A lot of TV shows in the 80s that me and my brother watched growing up, they always took a trip to Hawaii. The Brady Bunch. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Greg goes surfing, hits his head on some coral. It's a it's a to-be-continued episode. The kids get... Uh, Cindy and Bobby go exploring in some cave and Vincent Price pretty much kidnaps him and then they invite him to a luau, which I don't understand how you invite the guy that kidnapped your kids to a luau, but they did. And he was really creepy. So Hawaii had this little creepy and dangerous feel because Greg got hurt surfing, Bobby and Cindy got abducted. Just a typical family vacation where you eat some poi and some some poo-poos at a luau, and the kids get abducted. Run-of-the-mill type of shit. Then you got the Jeffersons, George Jefferson. George and Wheezy go to Hawaii. Then you got Full House. Uncle Jesse and his boo that got caught up in this college bribery scandal, they go to Hawaii. Then you got everybody on The Price is Right. They're going to Hawaii. Bob Baca's either sending you to Hawaii or Acapulco when you win the Showcase Showdown. Bunch of Hawaiian trips on TV. Then you got the shows that take place in Hawaii, like Magnum, Magnum P.I., the best mustache in show business. Well, it's it's debatable. Burt Reynolds or Tom Selleck. But Magnum P.I. was great. You got Fantasy Island, The Plane, The Plane. You got Hawaii Five-O. So that's my version of Hawaii. That's what I see. And then I see Anthony Bourdain go there on Parts Unknown. And I see a different side of Hawaii. And then it looks like a foreign country. And it looks like, well, it always looked like a foreign country because it's so tropical and doesn't look like the rest of the United States. But Bourdain has a way of getting into the nooks and crannies of an area and exploring areas that are just not, they're untapped. They're not the typical tourist destinations and... Uh, he explores the the real culture and, you know, that's what he did better than anybody. And so I take a lot from what I learned from his shows and his books and try to have those type of experiences because those are the experiences that are most rewarding to me and for what I'm looking for in a trip. These experiences can be really enriching and can really change your life and they have been very instrumental in my life. I decided Hawaii was definitely on my radar and I feel like the perfect storm happened. My friend Courtney, who's been on the podcast, Black Noise, a.k.a. C. Murder. Uh, he's a director. Uh, his birthday was earlier this month. And last month we started talking about maybe taking a little birthday trip for him. Something really relaxing, low key, not too far. He lives in L.A., and he knows that I, I like to jump around. It doesn't matter where it is, I'll go. There was that. And then last year, I heard a couple podcasts. A couple of surfers made the rounds on the podcast circuit. And I know I heard them on Joe Rogan. Maybe a couple other podcasts. Kelly Slater. He's like the all-time 
greatest surfer in history. He's won more surf championships. Not that I know anything about surfing. I never really put much thought into surfing uh, until last year when I heard these podcasts and I heard how transformative surfing was for them spiritually and physically. And it was almost like their version of uh, church in the same way like yoga can be very therapeutic. So not the competitive side of surfing, but after the competitive side, they talked about it more as a form of almost meditation. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's a little bit out there, but I, it made sense. I don't know. I think it made sense because of my experience around the ocean and how soothing it can be. So just go with it for now. Try to stay with me. I promise this is going somewhere. So the reason these guys were making the rounds on the podcast circuit was they put out this documentary on HBO called Momentum Generation. And everything HBO does is good, so I knew it was going to be good. But after hearing them speak about surfing and how influential it was on their lives, not only financially, but every other aspect of their life, I had to see it. So once I saw it, I was hooked. I need to surf. And I, I don't know why I never thought about surfing, because I grew up on the ocean. I grew up going to the beach every summer, almost every day, or at least if it was if it was sunny and warm in June, July, or August, I was at the beach, whether it was with my friends, my family. We were all over the North Shore going to the beach. And I mean, surfing's not big up there anyway, but the fact that I, I, I love the ocean, I love playing in the, the waves, I've always body surfed, and I used to skimboard, I don't know if 99% of my listeners know what that is, but me and my boys, Jimbo, Jimbo Kelly, he's now a, he's like a, basically a professional surfer now, he, uh, he makes surf wax, sells it to places all over the world that, that surf, he has his wax in Hawaii and all over the place, uh, me and him and Hendu and I don't know Kausel, Mav. We used to we used to skimboard a lot. Oh, the King, the King was like the the big Kahuna on the skimboard. That that was fun though. Optimal conditions for skimboarding was low tide at Good Harbor Beach in Gloucester. A few beers, perfect. So I have experience in the ocean, and I have experience standing on a board, and I have experience with waves. Because every time I go somewhere that has really good waves like the Caribbean or South America, Central America, the Caribbean, Mexico, or Southeast Asia, where else have I been where there's, there's great waves? Uh, California even, Florida a little bit. You get the point. Everywhere I've gone, I always need to see what the waves are like. I get in there, they tell you, you know, oh, it's a little rough out there, you probably shouldn't get in, none of the... Tourists are getting in the water. Of course, I got to get in. I got to get in and see what it feels like. I do the body surf and I get beat up a little bit, but I love it. So the fact that I never really thought about actually surfing myself doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I had an epiphany. So as I get older, I still play basketball, but I, I realize that the clock's ticking. I don't have much time left on the court and I still love to stay active. So what can I do? I'm not ready to golf. I'm just not there yet. I mean, as far as really committing myself and trying to be good at it, you have to put in so much time. Then this tennis. Me and Bad News Bonds took up tennis a couple years ago, and that lasted a few weeks for me. I played about five times with him, and that was great. But 
just didn't stick to it. And I, I would play tennis again. But for now, I think surfing might be for me. So I decided surfing is something I could do, you know, for a long period of time into my old age. And so I have plenty of time to get good at it. And I have plenty of time to enjoy it. And I travel to places where surfing is a part of the lifestyle. I went to uh, Cabo for my birthday in January with my girlfriend, Marissa. And when we were in Cabo, they told us to stay out the water. There's a lot of rocks. Um, the waves are, are rough. And the only people in the water at the whole resort, it was a beautiful resort. The only people in the water were the surfers. And they were, they were local guys or they were people that traveled there specifically for the surfing because the waves are so good there. And I was in the water for hours that week. And I was the only one in except the surfers. So I was watching them and kind of seeing how it works. Like, I want to try to figure out the culture. And there's a wave coming. And then there's five guys sitting on surfboards. Who gets the wave? Like, how do you decide? You can't all get it. Just the way it works and how much fun they were having. I, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching. But more importantly, I was thinking, why am I not doing this? This is something I could be doing. This is something I should have been doing. That was my epiphany. Sure, I was body surfing in the waves while I was watching them. And I was feeling the power of the waves. And I was just thinking, wow, if I was on a board, how how amazing this would be. Instead of me getting rolled up in a, you know, basically in a washing machine and spun around in a dryer and spit out onto the bottom of the ocean floor and scraped up with the sand and the rocks, I could actually be on top of the waves riding them on a nice board with some Jimbo surf wax on it, sliding, gliding, you know, hanging 10, the big kahundo. And the more I thought about it, I realized this is, this is something I need to do. And, and I had been thinking about that since those guys on the podcast and seeing that Momentum Generation documentary on HBO. So bring us uh, forward to February. That was in January. Courtney says he wants to go away for his birthday. Uh, surfing. He wants to go somewhere different. He's in L.A. Hawaii. Let's go to Hawaii. So we end up going to Hawaii, and the plan is let's go surfing for your birthday in Hawaii. It's his 40th birthday. So this was a no-brainer. Absolutely perfect storm. But now we got to figure out where in Hawaii. Saying you're going to Hawaii is like saying you're going out for a burger. There's a million options. There's all these different islands. There's all different areas of all the different islands. There's all different beaches. So... So now it was time to utilize my travel planning skills. So when I'm planning a trip, there's a couple things I look at before I go. Obviously, I want to stay somewhere in a location that allows me to do all the things I want to do. But at the same time, I don't want to stay in an area that's too overrun with tourists where you don't get a feel for the actual culture of the place I'm visiting. So I want to stay somewhere I can immerse myself in the culture, but also I'll have some food destinations, which is a huge part of travel for me. So I kind of have to vacillate between finding the authentic experience and finding 
where the food spots are. And sometimes those aren't the same places. We went on Airbnb and we found this house. And basically, I didn't care which island I was staying on. I wanted a house that was on a beach, that was in a remote location in a very authentic area, Hawaii, for lack of a better term, authentic. Um, from what I understood online and from what I understood watching shows about Hawaii, this was an area that was pretty much untouched as far as uh, being uh, commercialized or gentrified or any of that stuff. So we stay a few nights at an Airbnb on the big island, the island of Hawaii, which most people think is where Honolulu is and the main place that everybody goes, but it's not. Honolulu's on Oahu, the big island. Uh, that's where the two biggest cities are, Hilo and Kona. The big island is twice the size of all the Hawaiian islands combined. So it's, it's much bigger than the rest of them. So we get a house out on the east coast of the big island in a village called Pahoa Village. It's about an hour from Hilo. The area had some beautiful black sand beaches and waterfalls and hot springs. And it was really close to the active volcano that erupted last summer. So there's a lot to explore out there, but there's very little in restaurants and bars and nightlife. There's, there's no nightlife. There was one night out of the week where they had nightlife. And that was at a place called Uncle Robert's. And it was like a barbecue type place. And it had all these different vendors that come in just for one night. It was on a Wednesday night. So we made sure we stayed there on a Wednesday. We got a real feel for what the area was like. We didn't see any police out there. Not one. Um, we ate breakfast at the same place three days in a row. Where the same people were hanging out there. Not eating. Not drinking. They were definitely smoking something. Uh, they were hanging out in the parking lot there every morning. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a village filled with traditional Hawaiian people that live by their own rules and the old ways of Hawaii. And at some point, a bunch of hippies from the mainland infiltrated the area. And so there's a bunch of hippies out there too. A lot of hitchhikers, a lot of weed heads, a lot of white dudes with dreads. You know this type of guy. But there's plenty of them. Oh, there was also plenty of women with um, hair under their armpits. There's a bunch of that too. But besides that, that, that was mostly what you see out there. It was surprising to see something different. And there was some nude beaches. You know, the type of stuff you see in an area where people like that live. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to surf out there. I know uh, there's pretty much surfing on all the islands in Hawaii, but the skill level ranges from the most dangerous places in the world to surf, which is Pipeline on the North Shore of Oahu, to the best beginner beach to surf on, which is Waikiki Beach in Honolulu on Oahu. And then everything in between throughout the Hawaiian islands, from what I understand. Well, the area we were staying in for the first few days... There wasn't much surfing. It's all rocks. It's tons of black lava rocks. It's beaches that are getting destroyed by active 
lava flowing in and taking over the beach and covering the sand and it's not a it's not a busy surfing area. It was great to get in the water though. There was dolphins out there. We were swimming with these exotic fish. But the surf experience wasn't going to happen over on the big island in Pahoa Village. Just wasn't going down. Quick side note, my first night I got in, I stayed over in Kona. I was by myself waiting for Courtney to get in. And behind my hotel was a little surf shop. And I went into the surf shop to ask about lessons and stuff like that, where to go surfing in the area. It turned out Jimbo Surf Wax was being sold at this surf shop from the waves of Hampton Beach to Kona, Hawaii, Windy Jim Kelly, the best Irish surfer in New England. But we knew we still had a couple days over on Oahu in Honolulu on Waikiki. So that was the plan. We'll get a surf lesson on Waikiki Beach. It's beginner's paradise for surfing. So keep in mind, I'm... I'm rolling around the Big Island with a director, so everything we do is being documented. We're getting videos of all types of stuff, pictures. So if you see the pictures of me on Instagram and it looks like I had a photo shoot, well, that's what happens when you hang with a director or a photographer. You become the subject because it's just me and him in the middle of nowhere. So a lot of times I'll just be hanging out, doing my thing, and I look over and the camera's on me. Or he says, hey stand there or do this or do that because he, he's working on his craft that's what he does it's one of his favorite things to do look I'm not complaining either so yeah there's a lot of footage but it's really cool when you're you're driving somewhere or you're driving nowhere and you just look over and you see a waterfall and you stop and you know get a picture or a video or whatever you get he's got the drone with him so we got some really great aerial footage with the drone of all types of things but how happy was I to be able to Wake up in the morning, go out in the backyard and crack a coconut and drink it straight out the coconut. I mean, stuff like that is is priceless. That's why staying at a house on a beach is just a more unique experience, a more authentic experience than staying at a Marriott resort or whatever. So on to Oahu, where we did stay at a Marriott on Waikiki Beach, which doesn't get more touristy than that but we got the authentic experience on the big island and we came over and we knew what we were getting ourselves into in Honolulu we were doing the Marriott we're doing Waikiki Beach we're doing beginner surfing lessons and that's what we did Honolulu's got some great food I had some amazing meals and the shave ice situation over there that stuff we need to bring some shave ice to Miami uh yeah sure it'd be great in other cities but like a nice warm tropical year-round city with some great shave ice man I could go for one of those every day and the the pokey the pokey balls fresh ahi tuna unbelievable now everybody's had pokey now uh, they have it everywhere in every city in the U.S. but that stuff's frozen you're not getting fresh pokey like they do in Hawaii. They literally catch it right there and serve it up within the next 24 to 48 hours. Uh, had some of the best Vietnamese food I've ever had. Had the best bowl of pho, the uh, Vietnamese beef soup, 
And I was introduced to malasadas, which I never had in um, Portugal or any countries that that served them. But uh, Courtney was a huge fan of the malasadas. They're like, everybody's got their version of this. It's basically fried dough or a donut. And some of them you can infuse with a jelly or a cream or chocolate or whatever. So they have this famous place called Leonard's in Honolulu. We went there. The line was down the street. It was like going to Mike's Pastries during uh, the holiday season in the North End in Boston. Cannolis to Boston is malasadas to Hawaii. So after we did all that stuff, the the, the highlight was the surfing. We had a, a 9 a.m. surf lesson. I got up around 5 a.m. due to the time difference, and I walked down the strip on Waikiki Beach and found an acai bowl place that was open and I had the best acai bowl I've ever had sitting on the ocean watching the early morning surfers get their rides in and it got me all in the right state of mind I was focused we didn't drink the night before we didn't do any of that we went to bed early we were really excited to do this Courtney had purchased a wetsuit, so he was ready to go. He wanted to be not only the only black surfer on the beach, which he was, but he wanted to be a black surfer in a wetsuit, and he definitely wants to wear the wetsuit to a nightclub in Chicago at some point, and I'm pretty sure it'll happen this summer. That's summertime shy material right there. I did not go with the wetsuit. I was just going to go bathing suit, topless, show off the titties a little bit, get some sun. He just didn't seem as excited about increasing his melanin levels as I was. So we go down to the surf shop around 9 a.m. And I find out that they said you have to wear a rash shirt because your nipples can get all chafed up from the surfboard. Now keep in mind, the boards they gave us were these long boards. They were 12 feet long. Definitely not the boards you see Kelly Slater on. So myself and my urban surfing companion lug these boards from the surf shop down to Waikiki Beach and we're ready to go. So nobody told us this, but apparently you have to paddle out there and you are actually responsible for getting the surfboard and yourself out to the wave, which is pretty far out. So that was a minor inconvenience, but not a deal breaker. And there's a lot of surfing going on out there. There's probably 100 people surfing. And we were pleasantly surprised to find out that we were not the most clueless people out there because these people had no clue. They didn't have a surfing instructor, and it was their first time out there. So there was like little to no shot of them even getting up on the board. And this is key for a few reasons, mainly because we don't know the etiquette and we don't want to be getting in people's way and pissing them off and we don't want to hurt anybody because we got no clue. There's like a certain etiquette to surfing and we don't know it and it's learn on the fly. So the more knuckleheads like us out there that don't have a clue, the better off we'll be. And that's what it ended up being. So now it's time to put up or shut up. We got some waves rolling in. We're in position. We're trying to catch them. And we pretty much start the same way. We both try to pop up quick. 
and we wiped out quick. So neither of us are having too much luck on the first couple tries. So I think it was on my third try, I got up, and I don't think I would, it would have taken me a lot longer if I didn't have a surfing instructor, because the little things he's telling us as far as where to put your feet, how to paddle, how far up the board you should be, um, where your eyes should be, where your your stance, uh, I didn't realize, I'm a goofy foot, I surf lefty. My right foot's in front, my left foot's in the back. These are things you got to figure out before you get out there or you're going to be wasting your time. One of the keys was he told us, keep your eyes on the hotels, on the buildings uh, across from the beach. If you keep your eyes on the hotels, you will stay up. As soon as you look down, you're done. You wipe out. And it was true. Every single time that I focused on a building, I stayed on the board. And yeah, I think I got up and finally took a ride and took a wave in on my third try. It was exhilarating to actually get up and to see that I did this thing that I've been watching on TV and had seen a million times and just never thought I would be doing it. It was great. It was the most fun. Like Courtney Courtney said, it was the most fun he's ever had learning a new sport. And I think I would have to agree. I can't remember the last time I learned a new sport, but... This was this was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get back out there and do it. And to look back and see his black ass up on the board, surfing, throwing up the hang loose sign. I mean, that was priceless. Yeah, the the whole chafing thing that that's real because I had that that rash shirt on, and uh, I still got chafed up. So I got to go out and get a wetsuit. I got to make a an investment. Uh, that thing is real. Uh, that's why you don't see. Uh, a lot of guys out there surfing without them because you you take a beating and we were sore as hell after that's that's a serious sport and i i have a lot of respect for the guys that do it some of the things i heard from those surfing greats they they were talking about on on podcasts i heard they were talking about the energy you get from the ocean and i agree i've always felt a certain attachment to the ocean I I don't know if it's because I grew up near it but I've always felt that way and I know a couple times on birthdays I've when my birthday hits at midnight I want to be in the ocean it doesn't matter that it's not the ideal time to go to the beach that's just where I want to be at that time I remember doing it in Mexico I remember doing it in Cartagena Colombia and Boracay in the Philippines but I don't think I was sober for that one. So not sure if that one counts. Something about it just gives me good energy. Hearing those surfers say things like that, it made me feel like this is something I could be really comfortable doing. And anything that gives me therapy and relaxation and peace of mind, and it's active... And I get this, some sun. I mean, all that stuff. It, it sounds like it's it's right up my alley. And I'm going to continue to to explore surfing and do it in different areas of the world. And hopefully get off of these, uh, these baby waves and try to hit some serious waves somewhere in the near future. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue traveling, whether it's surfing or not surfing. 
I'm definitely going to be eating good. To see pictures and videos of my trip and some of the meals I ate, check out Maddie Hundo on Instagram. And for the food, I have a specific food Instagram page. It's Hundo Eats. That's H-U-N-D-O-E-A-T-S. Hundo Eats. Mahalo. Thanks for listening to my first solo podcast. I hope it wasn't too terrible. Uh, I've listened to Bill Burr does a solo podcast. I don't know if you've heard that, but not that many people can pull it off. You kind of got to be a little bit crazy to to pull it off. Uh, just, just sit there and talk on the mic by yourself with nobody responding. But I figured I'd give it a shot. I just always assume nobody really wants to just hear me talk. They want to hear me talk to somebody else. Like, what do I have to say that's that interesting? But people have been encouraging me to give it a shot. So here it is. Let's see how it goes. Obviously, I need your feedback. So leave some comments on the uh, iTunes or the Apple Music. And let me know how you feel about it. And if you have any questions about Hawaii or the places I visited or the food I tried or anything like that, please feel free to ask. Hopefully the next time you hear me, it won't be just my voice, it'll be me talking to somebody else, somebody more interesting than me, Uh, especially since I don't even know what my next big trip is. I don't have anything planned at the moment, so I may not have any new travel excursions to speak of. This is Maddie Hundo for keeping it a hundo. Thanks for listening. I'm out.